0: I remember when my wife was pregnant with our girls like it was just the other day. Even though they're no longer babies, I definitely remember that season well as we went through all the doctor's appointments and all the fun of just watching our children grow and develop inside her womb. And it was such a fun time to, to pick out colors and to paint the nursery and to put together nursery furniture and have baby showers and all that fun, right? And it seems like the more I talk to people who have gone through the process like we did, it seems like we all get given the same one gift. And it's the classic book, What to Expect When You're Expecting and this is meant to be such a wonderful help because you know if you're a first-time parent especially on the the mom's side there's gonna be all kinds of crazy changes and adaptations and things that your body does to to make room for the baby and to know about what's normal what's abnormal all that kind of stuff and i just loved that book it was such a, a help to me as i didn't know how all this stuff worked as far as like how babies developed and all the craziness that goes on during the nine months of of getting ready for the baby to be born and so As I was thinking about that the other day, I was wondering, man, how cool would it be if there was a book like that for every area of life, like buying a home, Buy a car, starting out on your own, all these great filing your taxes, right? All these how did it get through all these different seasons of life? I mean it came in so handy during the season when we were growing our family and starting out at like that. But man, how cool would it be for these other areas to know what to expect when you're expecting all these different things to happen? But as I thought about that, I kept thinking and I thought again, you know, it seems like more often than not, things don't go the way we expect them to. So what we really need is a book to tell us what to expect when we're not expecting, right? When the unexpected bill comes due, when the car unexpectedly breaks down, when you go to the doctor and find out you've got the sickness you didn't even know was on the radar, right? All these different things that can come and hit us out of nowhere, losing a job, you know, all of these crazy, crazy things that can just derail our lives. How do we know what to expect when we're not expecting? Well, as we enter into the final week of the Christmas season, as we get ready to wrap up the year and start another one, I want to take another look at the classic Christmas story we've been looking at all month. And in the beginning of December, we looked at how do we find Christmas when it doesn't feel like it. And we went searching for Christmas. And then we looked at You know, the the birth of John the Baptist, and we learned how to worship in the waiting during those time periods of life where we know God is with us, but we don't always see what he's doing, and we don't always feel his presence. And then we looked at the three wise men, or at least the, the, the wise men, the magi from the East, right? And we learned that wise men and women still seek him. Wise men and women still seek after Jesus. And then this week, we're going to get ready to wrap it up by looking at, man, what do we expect? How do we know what to expect when we're not expecting? So we're going to look at some territory we've covered already. But I want to encourage you to remember that sometimes we don't need to see something different. We need to see something differently. It's not that we need to see something different, that that we need to go crazy and find all these different things in our lives. Sometimes we need to look at what we already have through a different perspective. And as we go back to the Christmas story one last time and we look at Mary and Joseph and that silent night that happened 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, I want to encourage you to be willing to look at it just a little differently. From a little bit of a different perspective so if you've got your Bibles we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 we're gonna start with Luke and in Luke chapter 1 we are picking up where we left off a couple of weeks ago at the tail end after uh, of John the Baptist being um, you know in the womb of Mary's cousin Elizabeth right in her old age and I think this is so cool that Elizabeth had her pregnancy with John the Baptist at the same season that Mary had Jesus and that both of these were miraculous in their own right and that it had to happen at just the right time. And we'll talk more about that in a minute as well. But in Luke chapter one, starting in verse 26, we pick up with this familiar passage in the territory we've already covered. It says in verse 26 of Luke chapter one, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in galilee now once again how crazy is this right that of all the amazing major cities right of the world god sends the angel gabriel perhaps the most famous of all angels right that the scriptures to a no-name town in a no-name region to a peasant girl basically named mary she was engaged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of king david now culturally and like i said again we've already covered this but just in case this is your the first time picking up this uh, this episode with us i want to make sure you're picking up what we're putting down with this you see in middle eastern culture even today but mostly back then because of the distance that would happen between towns and villages when a man and a woman would get engaged The woman would leave her family. They would have this big party. She would pack up her things, and she would come back to the groom's family and live with them. And so even though the wife and the husband were not married yet, the bride and the groom hadn't had the wedding yet. They were living in the same home in different areas. The bride would have her own bridal suite, her own chambers. And she would live there for months, if not years sometimes, while the family got ready for the wedding because weddings in the Middle East are long, drawn-out affairs. They last days, weeks, and if you're very wealthy, they can last months. Because it's the way you start out in your marriage, that's your reputation. And so Mary would have been living in Joseph's home with his family. And in the middle of all of this, the angel Gabriel comes to her. In verse 28, it says this, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you confused and disturbed Barry tried to think what the angel could mean now I love to kind of collect and, and come you know save for later verses that I don't think are really catching the spirit of what should be going on here this is a very understated verse that the greatness of an angel comes and, and to visit and, and and you are just in the presence of of Right, of of their, you know, the way God has set angels apart. We see all throughout scriptures that when angels show up, that people fall on their faces though they were dead. And Mary is confused because Gabriel tells her, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, remember, God had not spoken to the people for over 400 years, and Mary was once again this unknown woman on the pages of history until this point. But somehow, God was with her. Not with some priest or some rabbi or some king or some ruler. God, the Lord, was with Mary. So no wonder Mary was confused and disturbed. And it goes on in verse 30. Gabriel says, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now this sounds like really great news, right? Wow, you're going to have a child. He's going to be the Savior. He's going to be the Son of God. It's going to be amazing, and he's going to do all of these wonderful things. His kingdom will never end. That sounds awesome. Unless you're a virgin girl who is engaged to be married 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. Oh yeah, and by the way, she's a Jew. <laughs> right? On top of all of these cultural implications, you also have legal implications. That for Mary to have a child without being married, without having uh, been physically intimate with her husband, this would have been adultery. This would have been her death sentence. She would have been when it was found out that she was pregnant. Then, because she was, you know, her and her and Joseph aren't aren't married yet. So when he, they find out, they're going to drag her out into the middle of town, and they're going to stone her to death. And so Mary asked this understandable question in verse thirty-four. Mary asked the angel, "But how can this happen? I'm a virgin." This has a, two connotations to it. First, how can it biologically happen, right? We all know how the birds and the bees work but socially how is this going to work out because this means i'm going to be killed This, this is so confusing it doesn't make sense why would god choose an unmarried woman to have be have her conceive his child to be the son of god right how is this going to work mary would be killed before the story even started before the life of jesus ever happened outside of the womb and look at what the angel says the angel replied The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And so Gabriel is explaining the biological implications, but he goes on to explain the social ones. In 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but now she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Word of God will never fail. And if you're a highlighter, that's a highlighter verse right there. The Word of God will never fail because Mary understands that according to the Law of Moses, she's about to die if this actually happens her fiance Joseph is going to drag her out into the middle of town bring the elders together and stone her to death for adultery even though you and I know and the angel knows and God knows that this is something he's doing the people aren't gonna understand it and they're gonna kill her but Gabriel gives her this promise for the word of God will never fail he lets Mary know that if God wants her to go through it, he's gonna get her to it, right? If God's giving her this idea, that you're, that this, this promise that you're going to have the son, you're gonna go through all this struggle and God's gonna get her to it. You're gonna to get to this point where you're gonna have the son and he's gonna grow up and he's gonna be the king of Israel once again. He's gonna sit on the throne of their ancestor David. And in the middle of all of this conflict, in the middle of all of this struggle, Mary shows her character. This is why all generations call her blessed, according to Elizabeth, right? Look at what happens in verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Look at Mary's character. in 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 the situation where she's facing certain death, she trusts the promise that the word of God will never fail. And so she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Wow. What faith. What trust. What ability to say, I don't understand how it's going to work out. But God, I know you do. And I trust you. And and I love another part to highlight where it says, may everything you have said about me come true. You see, we want everything we say about us to come true. We go to God and we say, God, I, I want you to have all of these things that I wish on my wish list given to me. I want to have the job that I want, the position that I want, the prosperity that I want, the bank account that I want, the car that I want, the house that I want, everything I want, everything I say about my situation come true. That's what we, that's what we pray most of the time if we'll be honest with ourselves, if we'll be real with each other. But Mary's character shines through and she says to the angel may everything you have said about me come true and so Mary's character is shown but Mary's not the only person in the nativity set we need to look at tonight we also need to see Joseph because Joseph is going to be the other key player that Mary had to accept what God is offering her that Joseph had to accept the shame as well That just as Mary would be condemned for being an adulteress Joseph is going to have to face his own struggles as well so look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1 and this familiar passage where we find out what happened to Joseph in a different section it says in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1 this is how Jesus the Messiah was born his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph but before the marriage took place while she was still a virgin she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit now you and i know theologically why this is important because sin comes through adam right that we are born into sin this is why jesus had to have a different father he didn't have an earthly father he had a heavenly father that so that he could in his perfection 100 percent god 100 percent man live a perfect life and die on the cross for our sins right we've talked about this before that the baby in the manger was the christ for the cross but look at what happens in verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. Wow, what does that say about him already? He had the ability to drag her out, to make himself look good and say, you know what? This is not my fault. I didn't do anything in this situation. She's the one who didn't keep her promise, and she's the adulterer. Kill her, not me. He could have saved his reputation and his honor he didn't do that. Instead, he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. And he decided to break the engagement quietly to save her the shame and ultimately save her life. But in verse 20, it says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, why would Joseph be afraid to do that? Because of the shame, because of the criticism because of the the cast-off they would become in society we've already talked about this a couple of weeks ago but this was what they would be known for the same way every couple in their culture would want to to come together and do things the right way according to the law of Moses and be celebrated by the people and have such a wonderful reputation in their community remember that Nazareth and Galilee is a small town and I've lived in a small town my whole life man small town your reputation travels with you. The reputation of your family is a big deal and Joseph is going to have to endure all of this if he stays with Mary and he says don't be afraid. The angel tells Joseph don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he gives Joseph this reassurance that Mary is telling the truth that she didn't cheat on him, she didn't commit adultery, she was honorable and Joseph can take her as his wife goes on to say, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins all of this occurred to fulfill the lord's message through his prophet look the virgin will conceive a child she will give birth to a son and they will call him emmanuel which means god with us remember that passage we looked at a few weeks ago from the book of isaiah where this is showing us that matthew in writing this is showing his jewish audience that this was not adultery this was the fulfillment of scripture It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Now, in this whole situation, right, we have this this habit when we tell the Christmas story and we get the nativity scene out. We have this bad habit of polishing it up and making it look so clean, right? The the little statues in our home nativity, man, they're polished. They shine. They're pretty. They're well sculpted. And and the, the silent night looks so cozy with the baby in the manger, right? Swaddling clothes, angels, you know, giving glory to God, shepherds coming to worship. Sounds really nice. But guys, this was whole circumstance was surrounded by shame and criticism by the world. This was not going the way that Mary and Joseph had planned. This was not what they wanted. This was not what they asked for. This is not what they were expecting. So what do we expect when we're not expecting? How do we handle these situations when they happen in our lives? Well, just like Mary and Joseph, we can do exactly what our big truth for today is, is that when things don't go as we had planned, we can put it in His hand. When things don't go as we have planned, we can put it in God's hand. We can trust Him with it. The same way we learn to worship in the waiting, we can learn to say, God, this isn't going the way I wanted it to. I was supposed to be, you know, a person to live into old age and now I've got cancer. God, I was supposed to be a person with a a, a stock portfolio that would allow me to retire. But this financial downturn of the market means I'm going to have to work for another five or ten years, maybe longer. That all these plans I had to travel and go see the world, it doesn't look like it's going to happen right fill in the blank right the careers that we have we lose jobs the people we love get sick and sometimes die that life hits us with curveball after curveball and it just doesn't seem like we can hit anything that comes our way and life just falls apart and when this happens when things don't go as we have planned we can put it in his hand how do we do that secret to this is joy now, I realize that sounds like a churchy thing to say that, oh, just have joy and it's all going to work out. No, when I'm talking about joy today, yes, I'm talking about the choice to have joy in your life, even when things don't work out. But I also want to let you know that this is a, each letter stands for something, to spell the word joy. So I'm going to give you three things to do when these things happen. When, when life hits you with the unexpected, how can you do this? Well, the first thing that J in joy is to seek Jesus. Seek Jesus. Right? That when we've got problems, so many times our first reaction is to go to our phone, to go to our friends, to go to our family and say, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do in my situation? How do I move forward? Uh, What are my symptoms telling me? Right? We seek the word of man before we seek the word of God. And that's just our natural inclination to do that. But I'm telling you, the very first thing in any crisis we need to do is seek the face of God. We need to seek Jesus. Look at what happened to Mary. Mary's instant reaction when Gabriel told her this news. She didn't freak out. She didn't sit down and start weeping. Maybe that came later. But in the moment when she was confronted with the struggles that were about to come on her with possibly facing even death. Just like we looked at before. She says, I am the Lord's servant. She was willing to trust God and seek Him. To say, hey, what if whatever God says. I'm going to do. She told the angel, may everything you have said about me come true. So the first thing we we need to do is we need to seek Jesus. We need to seek his word. We need to seek his face. We need to go to him in prayer and supplication and say, God, I need you to show up in this. But the O and joy means select others. First we seek Jesus. Then we select others to bring into our circle to share it with. You see, one of the things that we also have this habit of doing, and, and, and I'm guilty, I've done this before, when I have problems in my life, I just tell everybody. I put it on social media. I broadcast it for the world. But that's not smart. Because then you get thousands of voices telling you what to do, and it's like a din of noise that you just can't get rid of, like a constant bee buzzing in your ear. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a solution. Everybody thinks they know what you should do. But you need to select just a few When you go through these trials, and these struggles, and these tragedies, once you seek God, then you need to select others to bring into your circle, to get their perspective, and to have them walk with you in community. You see, you and I, we were created for community. When we go back to the book of Genesis, every day at the end of the day, each day of creation, God looks over what He's made, and He says, it is good. But only one time in that process does He say it's not good. And it's not good when he realized, or Adam realized, that there was no one suitable for him. And it said that God said it's not good for man to be alone. And God said, I will make a helper that is suitable for him. You see, we were created for community. You weren't meant to struggle and suffer in silence all by yourself. So instead of going to either extreme, don't go and, and try to carry the weight by yourself. And also don't broadcast it to the world for everybody to know and give you their opinion. Select others. When this happened to Mary, Mary went to see her cousin Elizabeth. And so if you go back to Luke 1, look at these verses we've looked at before just a couple of weeks ago. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39, it says this, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Put yourself in Mary's sandals. You're dejected. You're worried. You're concerned. You're full of shame because now everybody's going to know that you got pregnant outside of marriage and you're going to be heavily criticized and shamed for the rest of your life if you don't get stoned to death first. So when she goes to visit Elizabeth to get her counsel to share her struggle with for Mary Evans says a thing. Elizabeth says that God has blessed you above all women and goes on to say, Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Elizabeth confirms to Mary this wasn't just a dream. This wasn't just some crazy thing that the angel told you. You really are going to give birth to the Son of God. And in verse 44, she goes on. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You were blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now, I love that. It says that she's blessed. Why? Because she believed. That word belief, once again, is the Greek word pisteo that means total trust. So we could rephrase that verse. and says, you are blessed because you put total trust that the Lord would do what he said. You had total trust that the Lord would do what he said. Wow. What would it have meant for Mary in this time of crisis, in this time of uncertainty, to hear without even having told her her secret that Mary was confronted by this confirmation from her cousin elizabeth that the child that she was going to give birth to was the son of god and that she's blessed because she trusted god this is why we bring others into our circle this is why we share our problems with people when we're going through rough times but we don't stop there the why and joy is we do what you can do what you can so we seek jesus select others and do what you can you see in each of these situations mary and joseph had options they could you know ignore it (laughs) they could make up lies joseph could you know disown her and and divorce her quietly but instead they both did what they could mary going to elizabeth to to get that time away from the family while they sorted things out and it says in verse 24 of matthew chapter 1 going back to where we started It says that when Joseph woke up after he had had the dream, it says he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He did it. He did it. He took action and did what he could do in the middle of all of this. So I don't know where you are today in the middle of all this struggle. Maybe during this Christmas season, things aren't going the way you had expected. So what can you and I do when these life situations happen? How do we know what to expect? that we're not expecting. We go back to our big truth that when things don't go as we had planned, we can put it in his hand, that we can trust God and go through this acronym of joy of seeking Jesus with our problems, selecting others to come into our circle and then doing what we can do in the process We're bloom where we're planted and say, God, where I am right now, I want to honor you. I'm going to do as you guide and direct me. And in the process, I'm going to trust you that when things don't go, As we had planned, we can put it in His hand. And so as you look over this Christmas season, as the presents under the tree may not be the things you wanted, maybe your family situation is not how you'd like it to be, maybe your finances aren't that great, maybe you've got that unexpected news about your health, or whatever else, fill in the blank, right? With whatever tragedy, there's endless possibilities of how things can go wrong in this world. But I can tell you that of all the things that can go wrong one thing can go right. As the angel Gabriel promised Mary, that the word of the Lord will not fail. God is faithful to keep his promises. And just as he called Mary and Joseph to go through this trial, to go through this season of criticism and this season of shame, this would have been something that would follow them the rest of their lives. But God called them to do it so that the Son of God could be born on that silent night in that manger, right? As they went to Bethlehem and they would have stayed not in some castaway, you know, barn. It would have been the first story of the house where people kept their animals. But there was no room because who would want to keep that couple in their house, right? But instead, all the animals from the downstairs floor of the house where it was cold and the night was long the Son of God was born to criticized parents who were covered in the shame of their culture but they still trusted that the word of God would not fail and 2,000 years ago we were able to be saved from our sins largely in part to Mary and Joseph who were willing to trust God's promises to seek Jesus to select others to come into their circle and to do what only you can do things don't go as we had planned we can put it in his hand let's pray together king jesus thank you so much for the men and women and the sound of my voice as we go through this holiday season in the middle of all of the myriad of struggles that we all could be going through big or small god i want you to remind us that no matter how big or small our struggles are that you care about every one of them that you're not too big to care about our small things, or maybe we're going through the greatest struggles of our lives, and we just don't know how we're going to make it. We know that, God, if you've called us to it, you're going to lead us through it. You're going to get us there. Even when the ending is not storybook, even when times don't work out the way we want them to, that we know that you're going to cause all of that to work together for good. And so if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that's struggling, during this Christmas season, I pray that you would comfort them with the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to remember that we are in good company with Mary and Joseph. That when we go through struggles of life, when things don't go as we had planned, we can put it in your hands. We can trust you. We can believe you and know that your word will not fail. So God, I pray that as this Christmas season comes to a close, that we would remember that silent night 2,000 years ago In all of its craziness, that God, you used it to be one of the most important events in all of history so that history itself would hinge on it before Christ and in the year of our Lord. So God, bless this time, bless this season, bless the people that are listening to my voice, and be with them. Amen.